we're actually going to do um, and look at what you're supposed to look at on Christmas, the Christmas story. Uh, that has already been read for us in Luke chapter 2 by the children. They did a wonderful job. Uh, and so I will not read that passage again, but it is in your bulletin, and I would encourage you, you can look, if you have your Bible, please look there, or you can look uh, in your bulletin at the text that's printed there. I'll be referring to some of the verses as we go along. Hearing the children uh, share their version of the Christmas story uh, earlier with the video, it reminded me of the little girl that came home from church and she was waving her paper and she desperately wanted her mom to see her paper and so she was like look mommy uh, the teacher said I drew the most unusual Christmas picture that she had ever seen and so the mom looks at the paper of her young daughter and she had to agree it was the most unusual Christmas picture that she had ever seen. And so she's hoping that she can get her daughter to talk about this picture and explain her creation. And so she starts asking questions. And she says, uh, why are all these people on the back of an airplane? Well, mommy, that's the flight into Egypt. Accepting that, the... Mother then began to ask more questions, and she says, okay, I get that, I guess, but who's the mean-looking man in the front of the airplane? Almost looking offended, the young girl quickly responded, well, that's Pontius the pilot. <laughs> looking at the picture more closely... The mother says, okay, I see Mary, I see Joseph, I see baby Jesus, but who is the large man sitting behind Mary? The little girl indignant at this point, can't you tell, Mommy, that's round John Virgin? <laughs> she goes on, but I will stop there. This girl, uh, obviously this little girl was missing some important elements of the Christmas story. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hopefully clear up a few of those elements as we look at the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. As we look at the announcement of a child that came into the world over 2,000 years ago and changed the course of human history. Before we dig in, let me pray and ask God to help us through his spirit. So let's pray together. Father, Christmas is wonderful in so many ways. It's a time when we gather um, with people that we love. It's a time that we celebrate and eat good food and we feast together and we spend time with one another. But it's also, for many, a time of loneliness. It's a reminder of loss. It's a reminder of sadness, of the brokenness in our families and in our relationships Others love Christmas, but they hate the meaning of Christmas, meaning they find uh, Christmas offensive. The fact that God would take on flesh and come into the world, they find very hard to believe. So we come from lots of different places in this room this evening, and we ask that you would come through your spirit. It is no accident that we're here. You have us here. 
And so I pray that through your spirit, you would minister to each and every person in this room. Help us to see with fresh eyes and amazement the wonder and the beauty of the Christmas story. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This is, if not the, one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible. This passage is being read all around the world right now as we speak uh, in churches. And it is so familiar to us that I think it's easy to miss just how profound and just how beautiful this story really is. As I was preparing this week uh, for this passage, I uh, made note of how the Christmas story, if you think about it, is full of, it's everywhere, it's full of unexpected things. We come to the passage expecting one thing in the Christmas story, and instead we get something totally different. So in the Christmas story, I want us to see uh, three unexpected things uh, this evening. First, we see an unexpected birth. Secondly, we see an unexpected audience. And lastly, an unexpected community. Unexpected birth, unexpected audience, and unexpected community. Let's look at our first heading, an unexpected birth. Look at verses 1 through 7 if you've got your bulletin open. Luke intentionally starts by uh, this uh, passage by noting Caesar Augustus. And he's actually setting up a contrast for us. Caesar Augustus, if we could describe him, uh, we could say powerful. uh, We could say wealthy. We could say prestigious. And so we have Caesar Augustus, and then we have introduced into the story this one the Christ coming, who's in the line of David. And so this long-awaited Messiah, it's finally time. The Old Testament has been looking for hundreds of years to this moment. And so the expectations for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would have been off the charts. They were expecting something amazing. If Caesar was powerful and prestigious, how much more? Would the king of the universe, the Christ, the Messiah, how much more uh, would he be powerful and prestigious? That's the expectation. But instead we get something totally different, don't we? Jesus was not born in a powerful place like Jerusalem. But he was actually born in a no-stoplight town in the middle of nowhere called Bethlehem. He was born not in prominence in a palace, but in obscurity in a barn. Not in a crib, but in a feed bowl. Born not into wealth, but into poverty. Born not to wealthy and prestigious and powerful parents, but born to poor peasants. His parents, when he was Uh, time for him to be circumcised, took and they offered at the temple two pigeons. And two pigeons was the poorest of all sacrifices in that day. And it continued as Jesus grew up. The scriptures say that birds have nests, foxes had holes, but Jesus Christ had no place to lay his head. At the end of his life, he rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey 
stayed his last night in a borrowed room, and when he died, he was placed in a borrowed tomb. At his death, soldiers were casting lots for his only possession, his robe, and he dies at the end of his life naked, hanging on a cross without a penny to his name. Not what we expected, but it was through the unexpected that God would save and rescue the world. Jesus rescues the world not through victory, but through being defeated. He rescues the world not by killing his enemies, but by, but by being killed by his enemies. The way God chose to rescue the world and to rescue you from your sins was to send his only son, Jesus, into the world to die a death on a cross. And on that cross, he was bearing the judgment and wrath of God for our sin. And that, in a nutshell, is the message of Christmas. Is it backwards? Yes. Is it unexpected? Yes. But it's our only hope this evening. The question of the Christmas story is this. Are you willing to follow a king like this? I know many of you are here perhaps with family this evening. You're in town and you don't believe this stuff. You're here because that's what the family's doing and it's not worth causing a stir and so you just came along. I remind you that it's no accident that you're here. And I want to ask you a question. First of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. But have you ever investigated Jesus? Have you ever read the Bible and asked questions? Jesus is more important than you think. Luke, who was a physician, claims as historical fact that God entered the world through a baby 2,000 years ago. And when you take into account the actual data, when you take into account the magnitude of Jesus' claims, you shouldn't write him off. You should investigate and explore. And if you've never done that, I want to invite you to investigate and explore Jesus. Secondly, I want us to look at an unexpected audience. So we see in the Christmas story an uh, unexpected birth, an unexpected audience. Secondly, so this glorious announcement of Jesus' birth goes to the most unlikely of people. Those who you would not expect. Look at verses 11 and 12. Unto you a child is born. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. Who is the you? It's the shepherds. The most dramatic and significant birth announcement in the history of the world. An army of angels show up. And guess who gets to hear it first? The lowliest social class in all of Israel. Not the powerful politicians. Not the religious elite. But to the shepherds, to people who could not even pretend to have their life together. Think about the birth of Jesus. Think about where he was born. Bethlehem 
I've, all, I've already mentioned middle of nowhere, obscurity. And he was born in a manger. And remember, Mary and Joseph went to the inn, and there was no room in the inn. And so where did they get put? In a barn with the animals. And Jesus was born in a manger. And when we think manger, we think nativity sets, and we think very fine uh, handcrafted wood. That's not it. It was a feeding trough. It was a feed bowl. It was a place where pigs ate. It was not a place that you would place a baby. It's where they would throw outdated and rotten food and place it there so that the animals could feed. It was dirty and nasty and it was smelly. And the shepherds, remember, they're at the bottom of the social ladder. And here's what I want you to see. This is the only place they could go. They couldn't have gotten one foot in the door at the inn. They were so lowly that a stable and a barn was the only place that they were able to go, and that's where God was. And when, we, and when they get there, they see Jesus, and they say, Jesus looks like one of our babies. He does not look like one of Caesar's babies. And when they see Mary, they say, Mary looks like one of our daughters. She looks like one of us. Why is that so important? Why was God born in a feed bowl in a barn instead of a crib in a palace? Well, because from the most powerful person to the lowliest person, everyone can reach the feed bowl. All of us can reach the feed bowl. You see, you don't have to be powerful. You don't have to be prestigious. You don't have to clean your act up and be put together and uh, be somebody in order to reach Jesus. Jesus came for everyone, but especially the lowly. Especially the weak, the unlikely, and the unworthy. You've heard me say this throughout our Advent series. If uh, you go to faith uh, on Sundays, I've said it a couple of times. You can be too big for Jesus. Meaning you can be too prideful and too full of yourself. But you can't be too small. You can't be uh, too lowly for Jesus. And so wherever you find yourself this evening... The good news of Christmas is that Jesus is reachable. And I want to invite you to come to Jesus this evening. Lastly, we see an unexpected audience. We see an unexpected birth. Lastly, an unexpected community. And so at a birth like this, uh, we would expect like the Messiah it's Jesus, God in the flesh. And so you're expecting kings and queens and dignitaries and very rich and powerful people to show up at the birth. But who's at the manger scene? Well, the shepherds, the lowest in all of Israel. We've talked about them. Uh, the angels are there. Uh, but also, Matthew chapter 2 tells us that there's this group uh, of wise men. They were the smart intellectual scientists of the day that understood the stars. And you know what every single one of these groups do when they get in the presence of Jesus? What do they do? 
They worship. They fall on their face and they worship. They are captivated. It's all about Jesus when they get to the manger scene. He is the thing that is bringing together shepherds and angels and wise men. And Jesus is doing nothing. He's laying there. He can't even speak. And he's bringing people together and creating this community of belonging. The thing that brings together people from all walks of life and creates a place of belonging is not politics. It's not sports. It's not events. It's not programs. Those things might bring people together for a short period of time, but it doesn't last. You know who brings people together? Creates unity in a community from people from all walks of life. It is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here and you have not been to church in many, many years. And you hear that and you say, that's it. What you just said is why I quit going to church. Meaning, because it's not, according to your perspective, it's not a place of belonging. But instead, to you, it's a place of hypocrisy and snobbery and judgment. Can we talk? You're absolutely right. That is 100% true. And as a minister of the gospel, I want to say I'm sorry. Please forgive us. But I also want to say, don't look at us. We are a messy bunch called the church. Look at Jesus. We will always disappoint you. Jesus will not disappoint you because he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. We do not come as Christians to services like this one on Christmas or on Sunday mornings because we're good. We actually come because we're not good. We come because we are desperate. We need Jesus to save us from our sins. We long at Faith Church to be a place of belonging, to be an unexpected community. How does that happen? Think about the passage. You create a place of belonging when we adore Jesus. That's why at our church, front and center always is Jesus. We want to, in our church, make much of Jesus because he creates that community of belonging. And you might say, well, how does that happen? Well, think about it. Jesus reminds us that we belong or we are accepted not because of us, not because of anything we bring to the table, but because of him. When we come to Jesus, Jesus reminds us that we're all the same. Jesus levels the playing field. And in front of Jesus, our politics don't matter. Our income doesn't matter. Our upbringing doesn't matter. How educated we are, what our profession is, or what our skin color is. You see, Jesus levels the playing field. We're all the same. We are sinners in front of Jesus, saved by grace. That is our motto. Saved by grace alone. If you are a Christian this evening, 
It's not because you're more well-connected than other people. It's not because you're successful or accomplished or smarter or more beautiful or more moral than everyone else. If that's what you're holding on to, then you've completely missed Christianity. If you are a Christian this evening, it's because God came after you. It's because Jesus set aside his glory and came down into the world at Christmas. He became like us. Jesus came after us and he became dirty and shameful and poor in order to make you beautiful and acceptable. That's the message of Christmas. And that's what we are celebrating here tonight. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time of year um, and what it means for us, the fact that you would come and rescue us and save us. We confess uh, this wonderful story to many of us. uh, It no longer moves us because we're so familiar with it. And so I pray that you would help us to ponder and to reflect on what we've heard so that we might rejoice and so that we might sing and so that our hearts might be filled with gratitude for what you have done for us. Would you make your mercy and your grace and goodness real to our hearts? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.